Welcome to Unstructured Unlocked, a podcast where listeners discover how enterprise data and automation leaders are solving their most complex unstructured data challenges. I'm your host, Chris Wells. Hello, welcome to another episode of Unstructured Unlocked. I'm your host, Chris Wells, uh, VP of R&D at Indico Data. My guest today is Art Borden. He's a veteran with over a decade in the underwriting process and technology space. Art, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Chris, and thank you for uh, bringing me in this morning. I'm looking forward to it. Of course. Yeah, this should be a good one. Uh, to kick it off, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and your background? Sure, Chris. Well, thanks. Uh, I have uh, many years in the industry. I lowly beginnings as a claim representative back at Allstate coming out of college and found insurance to be kind of an interesting uh, career path and have stuck with it uh, since that time. So I have a full career of it. Um, most recently, I've been involved in a lot of the underwriting process and technology work in the industry um, with recent recent positions at uh, both CNA and Zurich. And so I've uh, lived this space for quite some time and uh, have, uh, you know, have spent many, many hours as probably many of the folks who will end up seeing this have uh, trying to figure out how to move the industry forward, uh, given some of the new technologies that are dropping into our environment. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for insurance. There's sort of a tech renaissance going on. Um, I must say, when I was an undergrad, I did not find the insurance space very interesting, although I'm starting to change my tone on that. Um, what was it that sucked you in? You know, what I'd say about the industry is that you have an opportunity to get in and do a lot of different things. So I've been inside of the claim space and then account management and, and direct customer facing roles and and uh, then kind of moving into business architecture and technology and and uh, all of the development opportunities to try to bring technology to bear in the underwriting process. I've managed in my career to do a lot of different things and I think that people have have who have been in the industry a while discover that right that there's a lot of different opportunities within the industry. I can say, honestly, I've never been bored in my career. I've always found okay. something that is uh, really uh, excited me about the work that I'm doing, and it's uh, carried me through my career. That's exciting to hear. For yeah. those of you who are starting out your career, you know, don't uh, don't take, you know, don't sleep on insurance. A lot of interesting well, stuff going on. Believe me, it was the furthest thing from my mind when I got out of college. I never, ever even considered it as a, as a possible career. But, you know, sort of once you're in, you sort of realize the breadth and depth of, of it and the passion that people bring to the industry. It's it's a huge marketplace out there. It's It has huge opportunities for anyone coming into the industry. So um, my, my view of it is give it a shot because there's really a lot of good stuff going on in the industry today. Yeah. Okay. Um, on that note, I know that you're uh, at this point in your career, you're in sort of another exciting transition time, but um, I wonder if you could sort of turn the clock back and tell us some of the highlights of your career so far, you know, places you've been, things you've done, people you've worked with. Yeah, and and so working out in the field uh, in front of the the uh, glass, you know, trying to process business, you get this opinion that you could go into home office and and change it all and fix it in a day. And what you realize is the complexity there is just a bit overwhelming. And and when I got in, you know, it was kind of the dot com 
kind of space and I was very interested in the technology piece and, and that's what drew me into some of the process and technology work I ended up getting into and honestly the things that I found really attractive were things like business architecture how do you think about how people process and technology fit together to make the process and and the uh, company a success and and you know if you don't have all three legs of those stools working in harmony you really do have a, a failure failure to launch in many of these initiatives. So I liked that space. And when I got into it, I did a lot of process redesign work, a lot of connection to emerging technologies and how do those sort of maybe support each other? And what is the organizational change management implication of all of that? Because, you know, it can be seen as a stodgy industry, but you're constantly in a, in a state of flux and a state of change. How do you get folks to really understand the, uh, the new possibilities in terms of what the technology can bring to you and 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 so I sort of worked through that as I came into that side of the industry and and did a lot of business process redesign work and and really worked carefully with the field trying to understand what their pain points were and uh you know kind of carried that work through my uh, kind of my more more recent uh career path which has had to do with a lot with uh technology and transformation Interesting. There's a there's a whole lot there that I want to poke at. Um, let's start with you mentioned going back to the dot com era. Um, insurance products are they're complicated animals, as you mentioned, and there's a whole lot that goes on sort of uh, behind the curtain to make sure that those products get delivered well. How have you seen the role of technology in that stack change in the last couple of decades? as both sure. the industry has matured and you've advanced in your career. Yeah, so there's been a huge uh, desire to adopt more modern platforms for policy administration. So you see entrants like Guidewire and Duck Creek have come into the marketplace and have have really driven a lot of product evolution and uh, product enablement uh, work for most modern insurance companies are a good good part of the marketplace and they continue their work. Um, you know what you learn in that process, and something I had to learn as well, is you describe the complexity of the product, and being able to enable that, and how it's so interconnected. The products are so interconnected within the insurance industry, yeah. right? So you have to be able to underwrite it, you have to be able to rate it, you have to be able to bill it, you have to be able to send downstream to the various states and bureaus all the information that they're interested in keeping track of. You have to be able to to actuarially consume all of the data that comes from that and, and sort of revise your products and your rates as you go forward. And you begin to realize the complexity that sits behind all of that and how hard it is to change. While all this is going on, you know, you've got this evolution of technology from sort of, you know, this very uh, difficult to compose language of COBOL and such that, uh, you know, really was the way that these systems were built to more sort of low code, no code type of approaches and being able to have power users at, at a desk modify products and, and make those updates and, and that in and of itself has driven organizational change management issues as you've looked to make those uh, processes more efficient. Yeah, so that, that brings me to another item from your introduction, which is also a theme of this podcast as I talk to you know folks from a lot of different in industries. Um, how, how have you seen 
um, you know, you talked about process redesign. How have you seen the relationship between um, the folks that are trying to automate the process and the folks that are trying to understand and maybe, you know, retool the process uh, evolve in the last, I would say, let's, let's call it five years. How have those partnerships changed? Yeah, so you have in the in the holistic delivery of of these technology projects, you've seen the onset of agile style delivery and being able to have folks from the business side of the equation sit side by side in a very collaborative way with your IT partners yep. has really been a, a huge uh, shift. I mean, what you historically had was a more waterfall type of delivery where you'd have folks gathering a bunch of requirements going off and returning six months later with a product that didn't look very much like what they had hoped for. And, and now, at least in, in the way that uh, products are delivered now, you have this kind of collaborative type of spirit, I think, that has continued to evolve within the industry. Now, some folks are early in their agile journey. Some have been uh, doing this very formally for a number of years now. I know for us, we we made that conversion. And it is a little difficult to, to get your mindset around uh, setup up properly around that. Uh, it changes how you gather requirements. It changes how you talk to one another. But once you get there, it really does make a huge difference in terms of delivering a quality product uh, to, to the business. So, you know, those types of things have really changed how uh, I would say technology and business have worked together. Again, it brings forth the change management issue, right? I keep coming back to that, but uh, it really does force uh, a change in terms of how folks think about uh, building out some of the, the systems and capabilities that, that are uh, needed today to be successful. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, it's interesting, you mentioned COBOL, uh, you know, on mainframes. And I think a lot of folks who, uh, you know, like myself, who are outside of the insurance industry initially scoff at that. But the reason COBOL on mainframes has stuck around so long is because it works really well at scale. Now, it's hard to change, but it works really well at scale. And I think thematically, as we get started here, one of the things you need in in any industry, but insurance maybe more than anything, is stuff that works uh, well at scale. And uh, I think, again, outsider's view, one of the things that that the industry is starting to understand is that you have to have change management that works at scale. Um, so yeah. I'm interested to hear more about that as we go. Yeah, those uh, those applications, those old applications are bulletproof. They really are. And they just yeah. keep they just keep chugging along. And but you're right when it comes to changing them and 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 updating those products. Just understanding. I mean, if if you're inside of an industry that has a big legacy issue, it gets hard to even understand what the code is doing inside of yeah. the application. So you find yourself having to mine the old rules out of the old system just to yeah. even understand what what you want that system to do, your next system to do, and that's really time consuming it's difficult and boy i'll tell you try to get a new programmer that just come out of college who who you then tell hey for the next 10 years i want you to really focus on COBOL. you're you know it's tough to recruit those folks too you see a lot of people coming out of of retirement to do these types of projects because they're the ones that learn that code and and uh you know are still the ones that can actually help you yeah you know those new programmers coming out they don't have the context that like you know, the, the reason the languages you like, like Python, exist is because lots of people have figured out 
the really tough stuff like COBOL yeah. and C, yeah. C++. So yeah. yeah, it's a great perspective. But it's interesting um, now, yeah. I'd say one, one more quick thing, the migration to the cloud and bringing this data out is sort of softening the blow a little bit uh, in terms of the legacy, because quite honestly, if you can get the data over there, you can then lay in some of the newer technologies on top of the data sets that you're, yeah. you're building in the cloud. And, and it does help you get around some of your legacy issues. Yeah, that's a great point. The, the cloud really does help you decouple these things yep. Yep. from one another, almost by design. Um, Okay, let's take a couple of steps back now that we've gone all the way to mainframes. Uh, <laughs> tell me, so a lot of our a lot of our listeners uh, are not in the insurance industry. They come more from the technology and automation and data side. Um, so if you could take a, a a little bit of a step back and just tell us what an underwriting organization looks like, you know, from the tech side, the management side, product side, just whatever would be useful in understanding where you're coming from. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about my most recent experience and, and uh, CNA, for instance, we had, um, we had a, a centralized operations group that was responsible for uh, receiving the submission data in the door. Uh, maybe it came to the underwriter first, but it got flipped over to operations to get it registered in our systems. Okay. And, then, and if I could uh, break in, so, just when you say submission data, like what's in that package? Yeah. So if you think about underwriting as a lot like a mortgage uh, application, right? So you have a lot of information that describes the company that you're looking to underwrite. And oftentimes that'll be a description of their operation. It might be a list of all the locations that they have, the number of employees, that they they employ the types of coverages and things that that uh, the the company is looking to purchase from you maybe a list of automobiles that they have and I'm thinking about this more from a commercial market a little bigger sized risk but that's kind of a, a profile right there's a lot of information mm -hmm. you need to know just like the bank needs to know a lot about you they need to know your assets your your wealth a description of you a description of the property that you're looking to underwrite all of those things are kind of true in a similar kind of view of what insurance is about. And that information comes in and it's basically a request from a producer, a, a, a maybe what might be called a broker, somebody who's trying to place the business with you and help that customer okay. work through all of this. So they assemble all of this information and they sort of send it into the insurance company asking for a quotation on that particular risk. And once that hits our doors as an insurer, we have to do a few things. We have some legal obligations to make sure that that company that's coming in the door is legit, not foreign owned, you know, all of these okay. types of things. Those are rules that we have to follow. So know your know your customer types. Know of your stuff. customer, that's, basically. Yeah. That's okay. it. And then we have to get it into our systems because the the goal is to start to move this through a process that that sits within our organization. That might start out by getting it through the operational piece first. There's some data gathering and analysis the underwriter has to do preliminarily to say, hey, this one, kind of a quick thumbs up, thumbs down to see if it's going to move forward or not. And then, you know, if you decide that you're going to go after it, and again, on a commercial space, you would then uh, 
start to throw a lot of resources at it. You'd send it to someone to actually enter all of the information uh, about that risk into a system. That system can calculate rates. You will do some analysis about the nature of risk. Uh, what types of exposures do they have? Are they driving cars around the city or is it out in the country? Are they doing hazardous uh, type of work or are they office workers who are, who are less exposed? So you start to, to get at what is the nature of the risk that you're insuring. And those carry different rates, different uh, different considerations that you the underwriter needs to go through. Now, if you think about every type of industry in the country, there's a huge diversity of that type of question set that you're applying to yeah. every risk. And you really, you know, that's where the rub is for the underwriter. They're having to know. Uh, kind of looking at that risk, all of the possible things that can go wrong, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a difficult thing, right? There's a lot of information they have to keep in their head. And that's the role of technology in this, right? How do you use, use okay. the technology to present to the underwriter a set of information that allows them to accelerate what I call decision velocity? You want them okay. to be able to make good decisions fast about what they're seeing. Now, for smaller risks, you do that through straight what we would call straight through automation, right? So you build up enough rules in a system or you use enough models to simulate mm. what that might look like and you push that through without a human touching it. As the risks grow, the ability to build those models to, uh, to confidence starts to strain, right? You can't necessarily count on underwriting Ford Motor Company through a, a model so easily. Okay. Right? So let me, go ahead. Let me let me hit the pause button there. Um what sort of what fraction would you say are you know go through straight through based on rules or or whatever else? Yeah, I think everybody uh every company has a little different cut at that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we tried to run 75 to 80% of small business and maybe 10% of middle market business. So okay. there's a big difference, right? If I've got a, uh, a storefront shop that's uh, doing luggage repair, let's call it, and I've got this small, small shop, I could pretty effectively use straight through processing to figure out what is the likelihood of loss there and come up with a price that's competitive. You know, there just is, there aren't that many exposures there, you know, but when, okay. when I'm trying to underwrite a, a light manufacturer who's building parts that might go into an automobile, for instance, the potential complexity there grows kind of geometrically. Okay. And so you have to be a little bit more careful about uh, pushing that straight through. And maybe the underwriter needs to touch a few parts of that, uh, that decision stream. Now you can get a lot of it to go straight through, but it starts to get more complicated. Okay. And so that, that's a great point. I was going to ask you like which axis, you know, you decide to automate or not um, where you make that decision. So complexity is a big piece of it, but of course, you know, models and technology can sort yeah. of, you know, keep pace with complexity. So what is it about, what is it about this complexity that makes it hard to automate? Is it, you know, is it something regulatory? Is it the business need to have a human eye on it because of the relationship with the customer? Or is it just, we haven't seen enough big deals like this. They're rare enough that we, we don't really have a good sense of what the rules might be. Yeah. So I'm going to say yes. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, fair. <laughs> because I think it's multivariate, right? You have a lot of different uh, inputs to that equation, right? You might have um, you might have severity issues. The potential for a large loss uh, could drive you to have to touch that risk, right? So. Ah. Uh, I've got some exposure that that could be significant and it could charge it could cause a large loss. But maybe the um, maybe the the automobile fleet that they drive is not risky at all. Right. That they're just they're just okay. folks, you know, kind of tooling around and you sort of know what they're going to get into. And, and so you can underwrite that risk pretty effectively. So there is a lot of complexity by product. Uh, there's a lot of complexity simply by the nature of the risks that you face. Interesting. Would you say that there are certain products that are. Let's let, let me ask this two ways. Historically have been ripe for sort of automation. And then, you know, what do you think is the next the next one that's going to be, you know, taken off the wall. Yeah, certainly, certainly that's true. There are certain products that are, that are a little easier to underwrite. Uh, you know, auto tends to be that way, though. It, there's a complexity there that that is pretty astounding at times. Uh, property can be very straightforward. It can be very complex. If you think about some of the global warming impacts to to sure. the world, right? And so flooding risk and fire risk and such is really kind of morphing a lot. So it, you know, products can go in and out of favor. Uh, cyber liability is one for the longest time. Who really worried so much about cyber liability? But now every company is, you know, think about Amazon getting shut down because of, oh, yeah. uh, of yeah. getting hacked. It would be a huge, huge issue. So, and the, yeah, even LastPass just got hacked, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I know you just you would not have expected that. So so here you go. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, variability in, in why things are uh, more risky than others. And honestly, uh, it's not static. It can change. Yeah. You can suddenly have a new emerging issue. Um, I will I will hazard that batteries in uh, in uh, electric cars may end up being something that people start to be concerned about because uh, containing fires and things like that and and honestly that's never been a concern because we just haven't had it before you know that yeah, type of thing. yeah. interesting. So, uh, but but what what is the industry trying to do? Well, yeah. you know that idea around you know can we get all of this information gathered efficiently so we don't have to have a lot of folks typing it into systems. So can I can I machine read my submission? Yes. And if I can re machine read my submission, then could I go out to third party data sources who know a lot about this particular risk or this particular industry and gather information electronically that keeps the underwriter from having to go research it themselves? Yeah. And can I put that into a model and can I output something that I can feel comfortable with? Those are the types of things that the industry is trying to get to to save the human human centric sort of you know wasted energy that people go through today to round out their understanding of a particular risk and you know it's a it's a very difficult to find a good underwriter these days uh, the the economy is such you know when you've got an unemployment rate ticking along at three I think in the insurance industry it's less than two Whoa. some people would argue that it's zero or negative yeah. uh, that it's very very difficult to get a good underwriter and oh by the way teach them everything about your archaic legacy systems that they need to know, which is a very difficult thing. So getting getting to a point where you can leverage the technology is really a big deal.
Yeah, that's interesting. You um, you mentioned a couple things that I want to tie together there. We uh, at Indico we talk a lot about uh, automation and you know processing you know by bots or AI or whatever it is, not as being something that displaces the human from the process, but puts them at the center with a bionic arm so they can move yeah. more faster. And it sounds like um, the insurance industry is thinking about uh, these processes the same way. In fact, it sounds like you need more people. Uh, you just need them with better tools at the same time. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I'll go back to the phrase decision velocity. You really are trying to enable an underwriter to make their decisions faster with more confidence and less touch back to the insured or the mm. insured's broker. Because if you've got two equal companies that are pestering your producer for information that one can gather electronically and never has to ask the question yeah. and the other one's on the phone to them every single day or, or firing off emails trying to clarify de details the broker the producer is going to be more interested in working with the efficient uh, company and it's faster it's less hassle for them they have to have fewer people on staff as well to support their business and and it has a, a cascading effect so it's not only making the, the our underwriters uh, more efficient but it's also putting a face out to the marketplace that says hey we're easy to deal with we understand you we go get information we don't have to ask you about and we're able to make decisions very quickly and get you an answer because getting an answer quickly for them is a really important yeah. kind of part of their jobs yeah yeah that that totally makes sense and i i want to swing the spotlight back to you a little bit um and i have a feeling that that concept of decision velocity is a key to answering this question, but how was success measured uh, in your role? Yeah. Yeah. So for us, uh, you know, I had a, I most recently had a couple of areas of accountability. One was product management. So all of that product complexity that you talked about in terms yep. of that uh, is my success was measured by making the systems flexible as flexible as possible uh, when I updated product and brought it into to the system and uh, so I had accountability for implementing those products and and that for me was a big part of it so what does that all entail well yeah. it entails uh, figuring out how to best define those products how to work best with my IT partners to build out the systems that uh, enable those products. All of that is part of the role of someone in, in my role. And then secondly, the, the other piece was, how was I measured for success with respect to my peers is another okay. aspect of this. So my peers would be the product owners for those particular products. So, uh, so I have to uh, help them build out updates to their product suite and give them new technology to speed up the underwriting process. So if I was able to implement a process or a procedure or a technology that helped speed up the process for the underwriters, that was a win. And they, they would count on me to do that, right? To actually implement systems that would make the underwriting process more efficient for them. So that was bringing in new technologies. It was thinking through their process, taking out waste and, and such in the process and, and building an additional automation to support them. 
Okay, interesting. And that that sort of guides the conversation to the next phase, I think, which is um, we've talked. You you mentioned submissions and intake, and so I want to I want to. There's a bunch that I want to get out there. Um, the podcast is nominally about unstructured data, and mm -hmm. I have learned recently that uh, you know insurance submissions are full of it. So they are. Talk, talk to me a little bit more. You 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 started talking about it a little bit earlier. I want to I want to drill in now. What is in a submission and where does it come in the door? Is it a, you know, is it in the mail? Is it a fax? Is it email? Uh, what's, what's in detail? What's in that bundle of stuff that comes in? Again, I'll say yes. I'll be <laughs> part of that. Uh, there's, there's various sizes of risk, but I'll, I'll deal with a little bit more complexity here to try okay. to make some sense Good. of it. So if, if I'm dealing with a, a, a midsize uh, manufacturer and that submission comes in, I started to, to sort of tick it off before, but there's a financial document that explains their financial health because we need to underwrite companies that are solid financially. If they're not solid financially, they could go bankrupt. That's a problem for us because the, uh, the care and custody of their employees could suffer as they're going through bankruptcy. And we want to be careful about that. But then we would have a list of the, the exposures that they're bringing to us. So if they have an auto fleet, they want us to ensure there would be a list of all the vehicles, including the VINs, the type of vehicle, the value of the, of the vehicle, all of those would come to us. If it's a, if it's a property exposure, it's going to be a list of properties that they want us to ensure what goes on mm. in those properties, square footage, type of construction of that property. Is it a frame structure? Is it a concrete structure? How close is it? Well, it's up to us to, to figure this out a bit, but how close is it to floodplains and such? Yes. So the you we were talking about what is the information that's coming in on a submission. So I would say to summarize, there's uh, for every exposure type of coverage that you're looking for the insurance company to underwrite for you, you have to describe what uh, the nature of uh, of the exposures that you're asking us to cover. So yep. the list of vehicles, the, the location of the buildings, the size of the buildings, the nature of the, the workers that are working in your, in your plants, et cetera. All of that comes in an application, financial information comes in, your loss history, how many losses have you had historically? Uh, that's another important thing because if you've had lots of losses, that's of interest to us. If you're, you're more risk. Perfectly yeah. clean, you know, that's important to know as well it affects your rates um, all of these types of uh, documents and maybe some description of your operations some information about your leadership team all of that could be as part of a package there could be pictures of your locations there could be financial documents there could be spreadsheets there could be uh, structured application forms all of that could make up a submission that we receive so from your uh, perspective like how do I electronically read that right yeah it gets to be a pretty complicated piece right so uh, there are what we would call structured documents that um, you know the industry has agreed upon application formats that you can use called accord and accord okay. uh, tends to structure what information is requested of the insured and and you know on that accord form what you can expect to see 
And then I would say there's a lot of unstructured data, which people send spreadsheets and Word documents and so on. And you really want uh, to be able to read those documents electronically and sort of know um, what you're seeing there. Um, and, you know, I see uh, submissions that are 100 pages long. Uh, it's not unusual. Wow. It could be a, a mishmash of all types of information that's come in there, some of it conflicting, uh, some of it not accurate. So you really do have a, a quite a challenge when that thing hits your inbox. They tend to come in by email. And yeah, so okay. you're looking at this 100-page document and you're having to figure out, well, is it ABC Company, ABC Co, comma, is it, you know, and, and, you know, you get all of these kind of wacky sort of questions. Yeah. You have uh, addresses that don't match. You have um, a lot of inconsistent information you have to reconcile. And that's something that traditionally a human being has done that. But yeah. you're looking to use technology to do more of that. And the technology has come along in such a way that, you know, maybe, maybe it can read through the document and flash up on a screen for a human. Here's your two choices. Which one do you think it is? Here's the confidence interval around that. And you should choose A, not B, that type of thing. And so those are the types of rule sets that you begin to build into the submission intake process to try to understand that submission. Okay, so let me let me. I'm drinking from the fire hose here, so let me uh, yeah. try to put uh, some detail in here. So, say the whole process. I don't know. Does it take for a complex one? Is it an hour? Is it six hours? Yeah. It again. It, it, so I'll talk about process. So what is it that you want to recognize yeah. at first? Do you just want to get it in the door? That could take you just a couple of minutes to get it preliminarily in the system. Okay. Now, is that enough to send it over to an underwriter to look at without actually extracting all of the information? Maybe, and that might take five minutes. Send it to the okay. underwriter, let them take a quick scan through it. Do they know this risk? It's very possible that they do. They already know the company and they'll say, yes, I wanna work on this. Then it starts to, to, to be more complicated, right? Because you are now looking at real rates, real analysis, uh, yeah. you gotta be very precise. You want to make sure that you don't make a mistake and uh, misclassify this particular risk into such a way that could cost you later. So, and maybe the answer is a lot of different places here, but where in that sort of chain of custody do you first get a sense of this submission has everything I need in it, or I'm going to have to kick it back to get more information? Yeah, again, what we've been trying to do is push that decision point to the very start. Yeah. That's yeah. what we would like to do. We'd like to know right out of the gate if, if it's complete, if there's key missing information. Is it something we can go retrieve or is it something that we have to go back okay. to the insured on? And that, um, you know, that's been a bit of the challenge over the years is to move that decision point all the way to the front so that when the system looks at that submission on the, on the intake, it knows exactly what it is, can strip off all the relevant information the systems will need to rate it, to price it, Etc. That's the goal, uh, and that's where the complexity is as well. Interesting. So, what do you think is the? I'm sort of jumping ahead uh, in the script here, yeah. but what do you what do you think is the 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 big obstacle there to pushing that all the way to the front? Is it it? Is it a tech obstacle? Is it a people obstacle? Maybe both. Probably both. What yeah. is it? 
So I think the technology has been uh, challenged by what the, what it has to do, right? Okay. So it, has, it has to look at that hundred pages and and really decide what's the what's the accurate information it needs it needs to move forward. Now uh, there's a lot of potential in third party data sources out there where you could go somewhere and and call uh, a service that tells you uh, everything I ever needed to know about ABC Company. Okay. Yeah. Now, the question is, is the accuracy of that data. So you, you have to sort of shift your focus to say, I'm no longer maybe hindered by the technology. I now am hindered by a process to monitor data quality, which is a little different. Yeah. Cut. So if that, if that data provider is 70% accurate uh, or 80% accurate, which 20% is wrong? Right. And, yeah. and, and, and those 20% questions can really get you in trouble if you underwrite the wrong risk based on the wrong data. So, you know, that that is a big concern of the insurance industry is and there's a lot of suspicion about, well, we can't trust all of this uh, data out there just yet. So there's an evolution that's going on in the industry to tighten that down and to build better models that sort of negate some of that. Uh, Interesting. And, and that's a challenge for the industry. Yeah. 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 Of course. Um, bad data in, bad decisions out, yes, I guess. Yes, um, yes, so th th that raises the specter of the question uh, how accurate are the fully human processes? And is that being monitored as well? Like, you know, is 80% quality data? good comparatively or is it sort of par i i don't i don't know enough to to answer that oh. question no that's a, they, you're, you're right at the heart of it so for instance uh you know we talked a little bit about brokers and producers being sort of in the middle of the process well yeah they don't necessarily have perfect information either they pick okay. up they call their insured and they're insured uh they may be may have not updated that particular bit of information or data in their systems in some time. So you start out with sort of imperfect there at the source at the customer level. And then the folks that are interpreting that from the producer level, uh, they may very well not uh, fully understand what they've just heard. And then they put it on an application and send it to us. Okay, so yeah. are, we, are, we sit, are we sitting at 100% uh, perfection at that point? Certainly not. Now, is something that we looked up in the marketplace uh, through third-party data sources better than what we're getting in on our applications? Again, there's a whole methodology that you have to build to test those and retest those things because yeah. the data quality from the marketplace is actually getting better every year. So I may say, well, they're 80% this year, but next year they're going to be 82. The year after that, they're 85. You know, so that's it's not a one and done kind of uh, yeah. a process. So you, when I talk about change management, do you have a department or a group that's responsible for monitoring data quality? Well, maybe you didn't historically because you never really called third-party data to do this before. Yeah. But in the future, don't you need it? Yeah, you probably do. You need to make sure that that stuff is uh, well understood because you're using it to underwrite your business. Interesting. Yeah. I, over the years, I've taken lots of ML and automation projects to production, and uh, yep. I always get the question, "How accurate is it going to be up front?" And I. <laughs> I always respond, well, how accurate does it need to be? And how accurate, you know, the implication being how accurate are the humans doing it today? It's always a sure. you know, shrug. Sure. 
right? I don't know. Yeah, right. That's a, that's a, that's a big challenge. And, and you're you're pointing out one of the reasons that this occurs is because you've never had to think of it. You know, it's always just well, we do the process, and of course, we're making money doing the process, so it must be you know 100 accurate. But you know, what if it's not if, if you don't check? What if your competitor builds a better process for validating that data? and you're competing against them and you're writing yeah. risks that you probably shouldn't write because their data data process is better than yours. I mean, this is the hidden competitive pressure that the industry feels, right? It isn't just that our price is better, it's what goes into that decision. You know, are, are you a better analysis company because of the uh, infrastructure that you right. built than your competition? Now, that you may not win because of that in the first year, but over the course of time, you're yeah. going to win if you've got a better mousetrap that way. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, let's keep. Let's keep pushing in there. I, I interrupted you at some point. You were talking about that handoff from the data intake to the underwriter. What happens from there? Yeah, so again, it, it really is how much technology to, do you provide the underwriter uh, in their analysis? So, um, you know, we talked earlier about the diversity of companies that an underwriter might be asked to underwrite and all the, and having good knowledge of the exposures. Well, there are guidelines that most companies have about what's a good risk and what's a bad risk. Yeah. But there are so many of them. How does the underwriter keep those fresh in their mind at any point in time, right? So right. can I provide technology that picks out the right rules that push uh, uh, red flags in front of the underwriter for exceptions that are inside of that submission that they've received that say, hey, this particular location is in an area that you might want to give them closer attention, right? And and look at that and ask some more questions of, of the company about, have you accounted for all these risks? And those are the types of things that make for an effective underwriter, right? And, and so the questions for the underwriters start to be uh, data-driven, right? So there, you know that an exposure exists within the submission, but now you're trying to push out in front of them some guidance as to, hey, this is why this is important because they could face this type of loss and you should ask about this. Now, if they miss that and they write it, and the loss happens, not much you can do about it, right? Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's water under the bridge, so to speak. So um, those are the types of things that, the, that start to happen after it's gotten through its initial pay, paces where you say it's a financially sound company, it's a type of market or a type of risk we wanna write. Now I have to really dig into it and I can look at the losses, their prior losses. And the, that's the more actuarial driven type of approach, but you also wanna get at some of the more, some of the softer analysis around the the actual exposures that you're being presented with interesting so it, it sounds like it's a it's a bit of art and a bit of science is that is that what i'm hearing yeah and it's, that's it's often said that way yeah. and how yeah i don't you may not be able to answer this question but how does a good underwriter become better at the art side of it like i can i can imagine how the science gets better better data better tools but how do you get better at the art side of it? What makes that easier? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, tends to be that's where you're looking for more experienced underwriters when you're out there, someone that's maybe seen some of this type of risk before you do it by segmentation to a certain extent. So say I, I want to uh, write a lot of construction risks. Well, I build up a, 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 you know, a group of underwriters who have done a lot of this type of work and they know the questions to ask. So you have specialization, but the problem is, is you can't specialize in everything. So what tends to be the case is you'll specialize in, in where you have enough volume to specialize, but it's very difficult to, to maintain that. So what's the solution? The solution is sort of smart knowledge management that can actually uh, push out in front of the underwriters questions and topics for considerations. Uh, okay. That's a really important part of it. Interesting. All right, um, let's swing back to uh, a few things that you mentioned earlier. One of them, you name dropped a couple of technologies like Guidewire and Duck Creek, names that I, you know, people who are in the industry have heard. Um, it, you know, in your career, which, as you're thinking about augmenting and automating some parts of this process, what what are the tools and solutions that you've had success with? Yeah, so, um, you know, process flow is a big part of our world and so you know you'll hear about peg assistant systems and appian and uncork okay. uncork's really hot right now because of their no code type of approach so mm. setting up the right processes to move by exception work to the right person to make those decisions is yep. is, is a big body of work inside insurance companies like i've got this exposure i might want to have this person take a look at this and so I want to move that particular body of work over to that person and to getting that business process management correct is a big part of the insurance industry, right, is making sure that that's done correctly. Now, you know, the Duck Creek and, and Guidewire, though, they, they would claim that they're more than this, but they've really focused largely on policy um, administration. So they, okay. they look at, you know, all of that complexity and product that you described earlier, um, building those products, maintaining them and building systems that make it easy to rate, rate policies and, and issue policies are things that Guideware and Duck Creek have historically worked on. Uh, what they're trying to do now, Majesco is another one, and they're trying to spend a lot more time on the underwriting risk assessment side of the house. They're trying to move into that area, uh, uh, more of the underwriting decision support, less of the actual sort of mechanics of generating rates and, and forms. Uh, they're trying to do more of the, well, is this a good risk or a bad risk type of, yep. of assessment? But but I'd say they're earlier in that journey than, than uh, others. Uh, there are a number of companies out there now, uh, folks like uh, Send, which is a new entrant to the marketplace, or Federato, folks that are focused on the decision support, things that we talked about okay pushing alerts to the underwriters and helping them manage their desktop. You know, we're fresh from a, um, uh, uh, a project of talking to a lot of uh, underwriters out in the field and, yeah. you know, uh, you know, they, they talk about the scavenger hunts, the industry of life with, you know, trying to find the right data at the right time is really yeah. a, 
real challenge. They could have six or eight windows open on their desktops at once looking for information. They could have a, a rating spreadsheet open. They could have a, a website open. I mean, it, it's not, it, it is not surprising to see that activity uh, wow. going in for an underwriter in a lot of companies. And that's, uh, that's a real challenge for them. So there are folks that are, are trying to build more rational integrations that would sort of present this information underwriters a lot more effectively. Interesting. All right. So let me, let me try to put that all together. So in terms of like a high level architecture and correct me where I'm wrong here, you sort of have, you have like a workflow engine, right? Um, yep. And at the beginning of that is, you know, some sort of way of getting the data in yep. as a, as a raw package. And then that I, I assume, you know, there are various subcomponents of that workflow. Then the policy administration system has to integrate with that workflow, I, I assume at various points along yes, the way. That's correct. And then all of that has to route to the underwriting systems, whatever they may be. And there has to be back and forth with that workflow as well. That's correct. Um, and I'm guessing there's enough variability between companies for all of these components that in the near term, there's not gonna be sort of a single system that rules them all. You're gonna need the flexibility in each component um, such that sort of wiring these things together is, you know, is what's viable rather than here's, we, we installed X and X just does all of it. Is that a, is that a fair read? Chris, you're ready for the industry, <laughs> but that's, uh, that is, that's, that's a really good quick summary of, of the complexity that's facing the industry uh, okay. is to try to make those various components talk to one another. And each, each of those components tries to step out of their, their little area and take on chunks of the other uh, systems, right? And, okay. yeah. and so you, you have to border border fit, conflicts. Yes, yeah. yes. Fit for purpose becomes a really important, uh, you know, kind of consideration as you're choosing to purchase these systems and to implement them. You know, which are your systems of record? It's a huge, huge topic in in our world in terms of figuring out which system is really going to govern the interaction with the underwriter, and that uh, that uh, is a, a a real source of. Uh, confusion and debate as you're building these systems. Interesting. All right. We're coming up on our time together. I feel like we could spend the rest of the day talking yeah. about this and maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll ask you about that later on, but um, bringing it back to unstructured data, um, you talked about integration of these various components, sort of hub and spoke um, being really, really important. Where does the ability to automatically, you know, OCR, AI extraction of data, automatic classification of documents as ready to go or not, all of that sort of package of things that you could do with a computer vision solution or an ML solution. In terms of what's hard and what's valuable for this industry, where does that type of capability fall, assuming it exists and assuming it works well? Yeah, so we talked a lot about the intake process. I think in the long run, that is the place, right? So I'm going to take okay. that submission, I'm going to strip, I'm going to read it electronically, and I'm going to figure out which systems of the three that you sort of described, is it a workflow issue, is it a policy administration issue, is it an underwriting issue? It will look at those and say, these, these, these are the 
the data points for each of those activities, right? So I'm gonna need to rate this. So my list of uh, data needed to rate uh, ends up needing to go into my policy administration system so I can rate it. Uh, if I need to learn more about the nature of the operations, maybe that goes into a, a third-party data call and that ends up in the underwriting system so that when the underwriter looks at it, they have a good understanding of the nature of that particular risk and can move forward effectively. And your business rules logic can kick in behind the scenes to sort of push alerts to the underwriter. Mm -hmm. You know, the workflow component is like, is this, is this an exception? Does this need early attention? Do I need yeah. to go, go, well, that might need to go to a different person and where is the data missing and how does that feed a BPM tool that might send it over to another party who would round out the data and then move it back into the process. So those, those pieces. So I'd say all of that is really targeted really at the upfront when I get that submission in the door. Interesting. And, and would you say, again, outside of the, um, sort of integration being the, the the tough part today. Would you say that that, you know, sort of speeding up, perfecting, tweaking that intake part, is that a higher priority than say, data integrity from third party systems or better underwriting, you know, rate engines? Yeah, and it sort of depends on the pain points that you have within okay. your industry. Like if you had within your company, if you have a lot of operational challenges, then uh, that becomes your driver, right? I can't get things rated and issued uh -huh. very effectively. Well, then maybe I need to spend a lot more time on that and 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 using these tools to actually accelerate that, to get things rated faster might be something that you really focus on. If I'm more, if I've sort of got that one solved and really what I'm trying to do is sort of accelerate the decision uh, velocity, then yep. maybe what I'm doing is I'm taking that information in and I'm feeding it into uh, a module that will go call data sources and bring that information back for the underwriter. And maybe that's where I'm going to spend all my time uh, in this process because my operations are pretty tight. You know, you, you sort of have to look at what is the company perspective on this because I think there are a number of angles on that technology. But yeah, yeah getting a fast answer back to your agent, you have to turn this back around to look outside in and say, well, what is what is your customer's yeah. concern, right? Are, are, it's taking forever to get a quote or the accuracy of the quote isn't good or the pricing isn't matching or the quality isn't there in terms of what policy documents they receive. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cuts on this. Fascinating. The insurance is more interesting every time I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, at this point, we should probably wrap it up. My guest today has been Art Borden, who is a vet in the underwriting process and technology space. Art, thanks for uh, you know just really laying out your expertise for us today. It was a great conversation. Great. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unstructured Unlocked. You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts today. Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Be sure to follow at Indico Data on Twitter and YouTube. Have a good day, Automator.